Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast initiative from Cyber Mentor, where we have open, honest conversations about identity, gender, diversity, and inclusion in STEAM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Our episodes are recorded on Treaty 7 land. I'm Allie. I'm Hannah. And I'm Holly. And we are your hosts. Please be sure to keep all your limbs inside the vehicle because we are going full steam ahead. Oh, hello there, Holly. Hey, Hannah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. What you drinking today? I am drinking one of my, I mean, I'm just like boring when it comes to tea sometimes. I just have my orange pico with a sploosh of milk in my delightful Harry Potter espresso Patronum cup, which has never had espresso in it. So like, I don't know, whatever. What about you? What are you drinking today? Today I am drinking a nice peppermint tea, pretty plain and simple, nothing added to it, but I'm drinking it out of my adorable Corgi mug. Oh, little Corgis. Were you ready to, to spill that tea? I'm ready. So today we are spilling the tea or the steam on work-life balance. So you might be thinking to yourself, this doesn't sound like something that we need to spill the steam about. But once you start getting on the Google machine, you'll see that there's actually a lot of articles written about the importance of work-life balance and STEM careers, and in particular about how they relate to women in STEM. So work-life balance is exactly what it sounds like. So it's the opportunity that a job can provide to balancing your work commitments as well as your non-work commitments, such as family, volunteering, downtime for yourself, hobbies, etc. Hobbies? Get out of town. Who's got time for that? What's a hobby? I don't know what these things are. What is sleep? So this idea of work-life balance in STEM careers specifically relates to women because despite all the gains that women have made in the public sphere, women are still pulling something that we call the second shift, which is a phrase that was coined by Arlie Russell Hochschild and Annie Machung in 1989. So... Arlie and Anne wrote about the phenomenon of women moving into the work sphere that had been previously held by men and working their employment shift there. Then they would have to come home and work a second shift at home because despite reaching what some might consider equality in the workplace, but really it was just women finally being welcomed into a patriarchal male-dominated workforce. At the end of the day, women were still expected to come home and fulfill all of what are seen as the womanly household duties. So work-life balance is something that is usually referred to as an issue facing women more drastically than facing men because of this expectation that women still carry on those household duties in addition to working full-time. So when we're looking at the way that this second shift impacts women, we see that work-life balance is a high priority and typically more senior leadership positions tend to have less flexibility because they have been traditionally held by folks who don't need to go home and do this second shift in their household. So what we're seeing is that fewer and fewer women have that ability to rise up or even stay in high-powered STEM positions, 
or even other positions that are in male-dominated work fields. So some might interpret this lack of women in senior leadership positions as a lack of ambition or because a woman's biological clock starts ticking, but really there's a lot more to play at play here than you know, our desire to go home and procreate and be nesting. Because you know, all of our biological clocks are ticking real hard, right, Hannah? Oh my gosh, mine's just like tick-tock, tick-tock, let's have a baby. I'm gonna send like a big thumbs down for that one. Um, so Michelle Ryan talks about this in her TED Talk, which we'll include in the links in the in our episode notes here. But she talks about shifting this conversation about women not being ambitious and actually did a study with women in different male-dominated fields, including the police force, uh, police academies, and uh, women in STEM, studying STEM in university, and measured their ambition um, in their first year and throughout their educational career and found that at around year three in all of these institutions, um, women's interest in achieving these, these higher level positions really dropped off at around year three. So they were, even with men, uh, in their first year of, of being ambitious and wanting to saying like, yes, I'm going to be a scientist. Yes, I'm going to be a sergeant in the, with the police. And then by third year, those expectations and those ideas start to drop. Um, and she was like, okay, well, maybe this is because like, you know, like our baby clocks are ringing because um, that's something that is often addressed to women, which is, you know, weird and hilarious because like, yeah, every, hey Holly, every woman wants to have a baby, right? Like that's all of our life's ambition, right? Oh, it's all I think about from the minute I wake up in the morning till the time I fall asleep at night. I'm just constantly thinking about when will I have those babies? Exactly. That's all we do all day long. Thank you for confirming that. I've now <laughs> talked to one woman, which means that everything is correct. Uh, my, my suspicions were correct. But what, what this study that Michelle Ryan talks about uh, found is that women in their early 20s were studied and women in their early 30s were studied as well, uh, who were all in the same place in, the, in, in their studies in these male-dominated fields. And they found that no matter what the age, this like around the third year, the ambition started to drop um, or the, that, that want or that idea of becoming this high ranking senior official in these different male dominated fields started to drop. So it couldn't be because the biological clock just kicked in in their early twenties because there were women in the, in the study who were in their thirties who also had this around the third year of their study. So um, what they have concluded is that there needs to be a shift conversation uh, we can't just keep talking about women not being ambitious in these male-dominated fields, but it's because these male-dominated fields are not fostering an environment that create the balance, uh, that create the opportunity for women to thrive. So she argues that while the conversation around work-life balance is usually about time and like, oh, well, like, who's got the time in the day? Um, to, to do all of these things, it's actually more, it's less about time dedicated to work and how much time women are willing to give up and more about the possibility of being successful and valued in your work, um, which to me seems pretty duh. Uh, but she suggests that fields in fields dominated by men, women don't see people like them who are succeeding and climbing in the ranks or even women who might even just be there 
and therefore they don't see the feasibility of themselves being able to succeed there. Um, she also talks about how conversations about work-life balance is, is often framed around sacrifice and what women, um, and that maybe women just aren't willing to sacrifice as much as men are uh, to reach the top. But she asks that if women are able to see the possibility of receiving the kind of recognition and respect and success that their male counterparts are seeing, that women probably would actually sacrifice a lot because I don't know if I'm going home, if I'm working a full day and then going home to do a second shift, that's a, that's a lot of sacrifice already. We're pretty, we're pretty used to that. Um, right, Holly? I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, we really can have it all. It's just a matter of, is it worth having it all? And I think that's where the conversation needs to be moving, is how can we make it worth that time and energy and sacrifice and dedication to have it all? Exactly. Oh, so well said. Snaps for Holly, everybody. I like the way that Michelle frames this conversation because it's, she sort of moves it from just being about like, oh, women want to go and have babies and have a family more than they want to have a career, which by the way, is totally fine if you want to have a family and prioritize your family over having a career, or if you want to have both. But that conversation really limits the perspectives that and, and some of the other issues that are surrounding that. It really individualizes the issue when really we're looking at a systemic issue that and, and systemic barriers that women are facing when being in a male-dominated place of work. This also uh, this conversation also opens it up from just talking about gender to an issue of representation across the line. This phenomenon of not feeling valued in work and in, in work and non-work spheres is not reserved just to women, but reserved to all people who are underrepresented, such as people of color, indigenous people, uh, people with disabilities, queer people. And so not seeing someone succeeding that is like you it's so much harder to imagine yourself succeeding and receiving the recognition that you need and that you deserve. Um, and so what we're, what we're sort of trying to get at is work-life balance. Yes, historically, traditionally, still to this day, something that women are, are typically more interested in when it comes to looking at opportunities for work. But dare I say, Holly, that uh, bringing in work-life programs, I think that uh, not just women would win. I think it's sort of a win-win-win all-around situation. Some examples of work-life balance programs are flexibility, leave options like parental leave or care leave, dependent care options like daycares and elder care, um, telecommuting, uh, which I think is uh, 2000 speak for zooming into work, um, which funny enough, working from home, is that even a possibility? Can we even do that? Maybe it's one good thing that came out of COVID that we realized that people might actually be able to successfully work from their homes, except I, you know, you would think that now we're being more flexible. This is a pro, this is something that is highlighted in the literature about being useful for women in order to have some work-life balance, except that women are doing still the majority of the housework and the second shift work at home, which is more sort of becoming a first shift. Um, and there's some interesting uh, articles floating around online about how women are publishing less and less, specifically in academic spaces, 
um, and men are still publishing at the same rate, if not at a higher rate right now, which is interesting. But uh, I don't know, Holly, how does this all tie into full steam ahead? We, we interviewed to, we interviewed some of our engineering undergrads and we'll be releasing that episode soon. And we talked to them about work-life balance, but they sort of talked about it in a different way. Yeah, I think that idea of learning about work-life balance and the importance of work-life balance, not only for your own priorities and goals, but also for your mental health, really starts at a younger age. Um, you know, for some, even as young as middle school and high school, but it definitely becomes a very important thing when you start university. So we spoke to our engineering undergrads about what work-life balance looks like for them in university, which is a huge struggle for many post-secondary students. I know that was a big struggle for me as I went through my undergraduate degree. And what we chatted with them about were some of the things that they like to do outside of their classes. So it turns out, no surprise here, that all of them are really involved in some amazing work that benefits the community. And they've all had some real life experience about how having to learn to prioritize their passions, their interests, and their labor so that they can contribute to the community, but also ensure that they have a little fun sometimes and also get all their schoolwork done and use their Schulich calculator to complete all those fancy calculations. So as, as you might have guessed um, or have learned from our first episode with these engineering undergrads, all of these women are avid volunteers, which wasn't surprising to us as we know that women volunteer their time a lot more than men do, but that's a topic we'll dive into a little bit further in a later episode. So take a listen to our upcoming episode with our engineering undergrads as they talk about what, what is work-life balance for them? How do they manage that as a university student? And what, do they, what advice do they have for you that they might be able to impart from their both successes and their failures over their time at the University of Calgary? So Hannah, um, before we wrap this up and we, we, we put our tea back in our mugs, I was wondering what has been your experience with work-life balance? Have you had to work a sh second shift? Do you find that this is something that comes naturally to you or something that you've had to work on learning over time? So I currently don't work any second shifts because I live on my own and have to do, like I have to take care of my own self um, but that, that doesn't really count as a second shift. That's just regular labor for myself <laughs> and caring for myself. But, uh, I do, I really, really struggled with work-life balance, uh, as a young person in high school, I was really involved in mental health advocacy, um, and had a lot of passions and love for a lot of the work happening in my community. I was involved in musical theater and I was doing, um, I was doing like this mental health advocacy work and sitting on all these committees and, and uh, learned my lesson 1800 times over and still continue to learn. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a say yes person. I'm an overbooker. I overload my plate both at buffets and in my life metaphorically. Um, so I really struggled with this and uh, something that I had to learn was just like, like I joined, I think like five committees in my first week of my undergrad and uh, and just like really had to learn to continuously cut back and just try to reprioritize like what I'm interested in. After I finished my master's, um, I had a really hard time. Uh, I had overbooked myself and was trying to figure out how I was going to be able to do everything that I wanted to do. And I just had to learn that like, like 
I'm not going to be able to do everything I want to do. Holly, I know like you and I have spoken about this, but like having a chronic illness uh, means that I don't really have a choice in having a work-life balance because if I don't balance taking care of myself on the like life bit, then I just don't get to, like, I, I don't have a choice. I end up like having to stay home and I, and my body just says, no, I think Shaliza in, in an episode said like, sometimes like your body just says no. Um, and my body has told me no a lot of times. And so that's sort of how I've had to learn about how to balance these things. And I think like, as I look forward into my career, um, I'm not like in a male dominate, I'm in social work. So I'm not in a male dominated field, but even in any field, I really need, I don't have an option about this. Like, oh, like work-life balance would be great. Like I need to have the ability to like work my hours and then call it a day to then be able to take care of myself. And I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be nice to have a social life too. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm being silly. I'm being silly. That's ridiculous. But that's something that I'm continuously trying to learn and, and grow in is the ability to say no uh, before my body says no. What about you, Holly? I can totally relate with that. And my body has said no to me so hard so many times. Um, I have always been a chronic overcommitter, overachiever, said yes to everything type of person. Um, my story actually sounds a lot like yours, Hannah. In high school, I was, you know, I took all of my academic classes. I took all of the sciences. I retook some of them when I just wanted to get a better grade. But on top of that, I was always a part of our student council. In particular, I always was a part of the social justice initiatives, spent a lot of time helping to organize events on, um, at our high school. Um, I was also a track and field athlete. Um, uh, I was fairly competitive and I went and trained in other countries. and. I spent a lot of time after school, you know, running and pole vaulting. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I had some other like community involvements outside of my high school. So coming into university, I definitely thought I could maintain that same level of commitment and involvement, um, not realizing how much more time intensive university classes can be. Um, so my first year of university, I was still working three part-time jobs. I had an after an after hours job on Monday and Thursday evenings. I had one on um, Saturdays and then I had another job that was a bit more sporadic in terms of hours. And let me tell you that that did not work out. Um, by the end of that year, I had dropped two of those jobs and the rest of my university, I only ever had one part-time job and then full-time summer employment. So learning that was very important for me. Um, but I also had to learn how to start balancing my volunteer involvements and my uh, campus club involvements a little bit better because in my first couple of years, I just, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be a part of as much as I could. And I really love volunteering with community organizations that I'm passionate about. And that gives me that little bit of, you know, extra motivation in my life. And it, it allows me to keep um, passions that might not entirely align with my degree or with my career active. Um, but I had to learn how to kind of, you know, tailor back those commitments and prioritize them and really select a couple long-term commitments that I could foster that relationship with and would give me that, you know, same sense of satisfaction and community engagement rather than just saying yes to every event that pops up here and there. 
Um, and when I say that my body has shut down so hard, um, I, I think I didn't do a really great job over my five years in my undergrad degree because not even a month after I had completed my degree, my body literally shut down. I went straight from my undergrad degree to enrolling in and heading out to Nova Scotia to complete a four month certificate in Indigenous Women in Community Leadership. And in my third week out there, my body shut down and I ended up in the hospital. And that was kind of the start of, you know, recognizing that I actually had all of these autoimmune conditions and health conditions and that maybe my overcommitting of time and not feeling well as, as a result of it was actually something a little bit more. And I actually had to start acknowledging that and learning how to take care of myself in addition to, you know, showing that I could do everything that I wanted to do. Um, as an Indigenous woman, um, I definitely feel the need to, you know, be involved in a lot of social justice movements, in a lot of awareness, um, in, and in giving back to my community. Um, but it's also about, you know, recognizing that you need to be able to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. So in the last five years, I've spent a lot of time focusing on how can I, you know, better balance my work with my extracurricular times with actually taking care of me so that I can be bringing my best my best self and my healthiest self to all that I do because when you're taking care of yourself you're able to give more authentically and give more meaningfully back to your community. Um, you know I don't work a second shift per se much like Hannah I, I only have myself to worry about but you know sometimes I consider my dog to be my child um, she can be quite high maintenance um, but I, I really applaud all of those women who come home at the end of a long work day and have to you know put on that second hat and work that second shift and they do so um, every day endlessly without thanks and without you know expecting anything in return and I really hope that we can start to address some of the barriers that people are facing with the work-life balance because I think at the end of the day if as a community we're all just you know supporting each other in being healthy and in having what we need in our lives to you know take care of ourselves but also feel fulfilled and have you know the careers or the aspirations that we want to have I think as a community we'll see a lot more growth and support and happiness and hopefully a healthier environment that's inclusive and welcoming to all. Oh, so beautifully said. That was, I'm, I admire you so much. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. So I think, I think that the tea has like been spilled and then put back in the cup and then spilled again. I don't think that there's more to spill today. I think, uh, I think that we should just hop on board our, our cute little metaphor train and just keep going full steam ahead and, and hopefully folks will listen to our next episode and hear all the things that our incredible engineering undergrads have to say about all the things that they do. And let me tell you, spoiler alert, it's exhausting and amazing and incredible. And we are so lucky to have these people contributing to our communities. And uh, hopefully, and we are so lucky to have everyone who's listening to, to have you as part of our community and to be contributing to our communities. And we hope and wish that you'll hop on board with us as we continue to go full steam ahead and continue to contribute to our community and make this world a more inclusive, better place. But also by doing that, we share the gifts that we have and also recognize that we are the gift that we bring into the world. And so we, we have to keep taking care of that gift even though the world demands so much of us, uh, but we're here to take care of each other. And uh, we, we hope that we just keep spreading 
going full steam ahead, spreading spreading love on this train. I think that's enough uh, cheesy metaphors for today, Holly. What do you think? Should we just choo-choo it out? I think so. I mean, I do love a good cheese, but I also love a good choo-choo train. All right, here we go. Full steam ahead. Choo-choo. <laughs>